0: Welcome to Applied Speaking, a podcast where I take you with me on my learning journey of becoming a better public speaker. I interview public speaking experts and let them live coach me. At the end of each episode I'll ask the guests to give me some homework, and if you're serious about improving your speaking yourself, you can join me in doing the homework. You can reach out to me about your progress and your findings. In this episode, Amy talks a lot about the ultra speaking framework. She explains the philosophy behind it and we're going to play the games they developed. In between our practice sessions, we reflect on the exercise and I ask her some questions about how public speaking came across in her life and how it improved her life. I think one of the most interesting aspects of of this podcast was where she explained how public speaking can improve your conversations and how those conversations can improve your connection with other people. I think that's important and so interesting to learn more about, so I think you'll do too. Let's dive into it. I have my very first guest today here, uh, which is Amy Sobieski. And I wanted to introduce her first by uh, a, f- a few facts about her, which I find quite interesting and extraordinary. Um, in 1999, you run the number one fund while competing at Olympic level for dressage. You were qualified for US World Cup trials for dressage as well. And you ran your first 50K at age 50. And you started bodybuilding at national level and you even become became the national um, champion at age 51 in bodybuilding. So that's remarkable, that's extraordinary. And um, we've uh, met each other a few times before this, but because at first you were uh, my client, I made a presentation for you because you now give workshops about your um, experience. And those workshops um, are about You're um, you're being a specialist in uh, nutrition, exercise and mental resilience. And now you're telling people about this and you're giving them workshops. And um, shortly after that, you became my public speaking coach. And that was my first contact with public speaking, actually. So you introduced me to learning about this skill. And I am just super curious how um, the list of these the facts i just mentioned to you where public speaking came across in your life when when did you first come across public speaking why did you decide to after all those other things decide to become a public speaker and even a public speaker coach
1: yeah yeah thanks so much for having me on i really appreciate it um, and i had done some public speaking throughout my throughout my life, and I found when I was super passionate about something that it was easy to speak in public about it. For instance, when I was running the number one fund, I would give presentations, and I was really excited about all the stocks, it all came naturally. And then there were other times where I was raising money or giving a PowerPoint, and I would get all tongue-tied and caught up, and I couldn't really figure that out. And at some point, after 25 years in institutional investing, I moved into co-founding a couple of companies. And when I would go on the road and raise money, I was speaking. Still, I was passionate about what we were doing, but for some reason, I was getting a little bit caught and a little bit caught up and tongue-tied. And so, I hired uh, several public speaking coaches. And the more that we worked on things like they they say that as you're finishing a sentence it should go bum 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 Mm -hmm. and that you're going to have certain words and then in certain within certain words you emphasize certain pieces of those words you're then I was going to Toastmasters and they count the number of ums you do and I was trying all of this stuff and what I found as, and Well, I found two things. One, I can recognize speakers that have had that training because they will finish their sentences like this and they will emphasize certain parts of a word and it doesn't feel natural. So, and I think we're getting to a point right now in terms of how many people are trying to be influencers, thought leaders trying to run businesses online where we're having a backlash against that type of speaking in general because it doesn't feel like you and I are having a conversation and so it doesn't build intimacy, which is the main point of speaking on video as well as speaking in person. So so that was so I kind of was struggling, struggling and and then I was riding at the horse barn and this woman says to me she goes, oh, Emmy, I just read this book about ultra-learners. She's like, you're an ultra-learner. You learn all this stuff. You know all these languages. And I'm like, cool, I want to read a book about me. That sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm in the first chapter, and it's it's by Scott Young. It's called Ultra-Learning. And I'm in the first chapter, and he basically says, everyone... When he talks about ultra learners, the fact that you can learn 20 languages, and you can learn all this stuff, people just say, well, that's not possible. That's just a super smart person. And so he chose to pick 10, 15 of his of friends that he knew were smart, but not extraordinary, not all Einsteins, and um, to have each of them learn a non-adjacent skill. And so one of his friends was Tristan de Montebello, who uh, was a computer programmer. His first language was French. He was born in France and he's, and Scott said to Tristan, do you want to try uh, public speaking, learning public speaking and do it for a study for my book? And Tristan then became using ultra learning principles became the fastest person to make it to the top 10 in the Toastmasters World Championship ever. Um, and so this chapter in the book was about this. And they talked about the fact that we've all been speaking since we were two. We've been practicing for a long time. It's not that we don't know how to speak. It's that we get in the way that all of the this governor brain, the cerebral cortex, our analytical mind were analyzing our performance instead of just talking to someone and being natural. And so they talk about how to get you back into that natural flow. They had a bunch of games. I immediately put down the book. I only read the first chapter, <laughs> got on their website, signed up, and went up to Santa Monica. I was living in San Diego at the time. Went up to Santa Monica uh, twice a week for three-hour stints of training with them. And, um, and they completely changed my life in six sessions. And I think i mentioned to you, it was, it was like four years of therapy in six sessions with them.
0: Yeah, you did. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's so cool to hear. I also read the book, I think a while ago, I actually, I think one year ago I read the book and, um, I also saw the, the chapter on Tristan and I think it was super Cool, but I didn't picture myself doing something similar, but because it was just something I would um I think be afraid of doing. Also because uh, maybe in English wasn't my first language and I wasn't really comfortable in speaking in English. Um so the first session we did was super interesting and really new for me to um to learn about this. And um you mentioned you just mentioned the concept of coming in a state of flow and using um using play to just um turn off your internal filter and let your mind flow and just come up with whatever. And I think if I remember the, we did four sessions, four training sessions now. And if I remember the first one, it was just an hour of making fun because it, it, we were just laughing all the time. And um, I had to say really stupid, stupid things and I was trying to be too smart and dumb it down, et cetera, stuff like that. So um, it was a really nice learning experience for me and a completely different learning experience from how I used to approach other things I'm learning, like things in university. I expected to need to read something, uh, for example, before we, we hopped on the first call and you were just like, no, 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 you don't have to do anything. We just hop on it, we play some games. It's gonna be fun, <laughs> don't worry about it. So um, why do you think that's the, the right approach to learning about public speaking?
1: Well, honestly, I think it's the right approach to learning about anything. Um, If you think about kids, before before they go to formal school, they spend so much time in play and they learn so fast. And then we go to school and we're told to turn everything off except our brains. So in a way, we become totally disembodied, unaware of our emotions, unaware of even how our body is feeling. And we're just turned into these thinking machines, which is great. Our brains are great, but that's not all of us. And so taking play back into it brings all of your resources to bear, to learn. And you think about how fast kids learn, and that's not all youth. It's also how they learn. And so we can take, we can learn from kids in terms of how they learn. And bring play back in, bring embodiment back in with, with uh, the game conductor. Where you're really jumping into your energy, which then drives your emotion, which then helps your body, helps your mind pick words. So there's, it's really just about play accelerating learning. And making it more fun, why not?
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I really like that concept. Also, um, because the The fundamental philosophy I think behind the ultra speaking is that you are a great speaker inside you already do it quite a lot, but you just need to be able to do it also in more stressful situations So all the games that we um we're going to play from the ultra speaking um the ultra speaking course or the ultra speaking website are designed to put some stress on on me the, the practitioner. So that in a more stressful situation, I'm also able to speak like I speak to my friends at more, um, um, at just relaxed situations. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's really fun to experience. And um, it might be, yeah, just fun to dive into the first exercise um, at this point, And then afterwards we can explain what happened or just have some reflection on it.
1: That sounds awesome.
0: Okay. So can you explain the game to people who might be just listening to this podcast instead of also watching the video?
1: Yeah. So all of these games are designed to create pressure and they're designed to do different things. So if you, if you say, Oh, I know that I have stories inside me. I'm so natural when I talk to my friends, but then when I get in front of different people or someone puts pressure on me or someone even that is um, just mean to you, that's a, that's a friend that you get tongue-tied with because they're kind of a friend and they're kind of mean or they're someone that you know or someone at work where you get tongue-tied. Um, you can say, you know, whenever someone says something mean I don't have those words just snap and come back. And there's other games, so that's analogies, rapid-fire, there's other games in here where if someone gets way off track, if you tend to talk and talk and then get off on some tangent a lot, there's games that actually tempt you to do that so that you remember to come back. There's other games if you if you t- speak in too much of a monotone and you don't have the range you want that pra- you practice the range. So there's games for anything that you particularly. Think that you might want to get better at, that you want to strengthen that muscle, and then you strengthen the muscle with play so that all of you is in the game and all of you is improving and, and you have all your resources for yourself. All right. um, all
2: right.
1: So this particular game is called Analogies Rapid Fire, and this is training your Google autocomplete. Um, or I don't know if we should say it's branded as Google, but <laughs> but uh, your brains autocomplete that we all have, and this actually came about because Tristan de Montebello, the head of Ultra Speaking, he was training for the World Championships for Toastmasters, and as he was going around and doing the competitions, he had this one speech he was using and everybody's saying, you're amazing, you're amazing. And he would tell the story much better than I would. Um, but they were saying how incredible and how fast of a rise he ta- made, et cetera. But for the World Championships, you have to use a new speech. And so they had to start over and he'd been using this speech and perfecting this speech for the entire set of trials coming up to it and so now he had to start from scratch and just kept kind of bumbling along and having it not work. And Michael Gendler, who was his partner and coach in this, said, well, why don't we just go into one of these Toastmaster meetings for and just speak, don't have, don't have anything prepared. And Tristan did it, and through that, they realized that we all have this autocomplete that just happens in our minds. And so this this game really reminds you that you have it, and it gives you analogies that are completely ridiculous. And so you (laughs) realize that you can still tie them together, and even if you don't, your audience makes sense of it after the fact. So it's just getting used to the first thing that flashes into your mind. You say it and you move on. So I'm giving Pim three seconds to complete an entire sentence. And um, we're going to do 12 rounds. Uh, Are you ready, Pim?
0: Yeah, let's start. Online dating is like a bowl of of ice cream because it's cold. Money is like napping because you're relaxed. The future is like dinosaurs because they're not old, but... Young folding laundry is like toilets because you try to flush them learning new skills like skydiving because you take a deep dive time is like daydreaming because you tend to get away teamwork is like wine bottles because they're stuck together breathing is like rocket science because because it isn't complicated a pet is like popsicles because they just pop my body is like meditation because we are one a college degree is like philosophy because it's good to think about getting married is like sleeping in because you try to do it.
1: Nice. Okay. okay. So <laughs> what what's your what's your reflection on that?
0: Okay, so um we did this game quite often but at this point. So I was familiar with not trying to sound too smart and stuff like that. But I still was kind of aware of the fact that now, right now, I'm recording a podcast and people are going to listen to this, so it's a bit weird if I just keep saying stupid stuff. But also, um, because I already know that it's a, um, it's dangerous to think too much about these things because you only have three seconds and you want to get the flow starting and just want the auto completion to kick in. I think I managed to stay in the game and just say words instead of. Um, tripping over them, and instead of um, um, skipping a few of them or taking too long, so it was getting quite okay. I think maybe I was trying to be too smart, but
1: <laughs> I think it was the. I think it's a great first start, and, mm-hmm. and and yeah, I could I could hear you getting catching yourself and going back to the flow. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So and and some people may think on here. Well, it's it's not as easy because. English isn't your first language.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That mostly is not true. Uh, we have found, and Tristan, they've done this with with people that say, "Yeah, well, English isn't my first language," and they they have them um, do some of these exercises in their native language, and they still have the same problems. So the real overriding thing is how much in the flow are you? How much are you playing? And are you getting, are, are you starting to overthink? So um, so let's try one more to keep, keep in that flow, yeah. keep it quick. Just really think quick, quick, quick and dumb it down. Here we go.
2: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> Public speaking is like an iPhone because you can't take pictures during it. An overcooked meal is like a camel because it's in the desert. Finding your passion is like artificial intelligence because you keep looking for it. The world is like marijuana because it's so high. Chasing money is like a glazed donut because it's full of sugar. Staying up late is like taking risks because you're risking your life. Life is building a bridge because it's with meeting different people. Fear is like kissing on the lips because it's so nice. Energy is like having kids because you they're full of energy. Fear is like a bicycle because it keeps coming back. A museum is like a spaceship because it's so shiny. Business is like beer- beards because they are so long.
1: Okay. Did you feel yourself really get into the flow there?
0: I actually did. I think this is getting this is a better session than we're used to. Uh, we used to do in the beginning of our training sessions. So I was I was a bit not not really afraid but excited for this uh, this podcast because um, it's all about these games are all about um creating stress and one of these stress factors is you listening to me and that I might sound um, sound stupid to you or that I want to sound come across as a smart guy to you and now I have this whole other people that are listening also to this uh, podcast so it's um it makes me a bit more self-conscious but I was excited for that because it's it's a better learning opportunity for um, um for sure to just, um know that this is happening and being under a little more stress than than usual and just trying to do the same games and um actually trying to reach a point where i um um have a blank mind where i lose my words and don't know what to say because then i can recover from that and then that's the real training i think
1: yeah 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 that's a great point we should uh maybe jump into um rapid-fire analogies with breath to show how you can recover. Yeah. So the idea is exactly what you just said, which is there's two things going on. One is you can trust your Google Autocomplete to come up with something. Mm-hmm. The obvious argument to that is, well, if I'm in a business setting, if I'm giving a keynote, if I'm giving a presentation and I say something stupid, First of all, I don't want to count on my audience to make it make sense. And what then? So this shows you that you can recover from anything. And it demonstrates that taking a breath really allows you to ground and let your entire brain settle for a moment and come up with great ideas. Yeah. Okay, ready? Here we go.
0: Animals are, like, composting because they stink. I think everyone notices it when they have had an animal for a while, when they have, an animal, have had an animal living in their home for a while. Animals have a different, different smell than humans, so... It's not that bad because we used to live together in the past and humans and animals lived together outside and humans didn't really have those cleaning habits for sure that they have in in these modern ages like right now. So that's why humans tend to smell better and that's why we by now notice the smell of animals which can be kind of the same as a composting.
1: You want to do another one
0: yeah sure yeah sure um okay yeah 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 yeah, sure diversity is like fasting because it's so nice making tough decisions isn't uh, is like a new car because it's shiny
1: now you're taking a deep breath in deep breath out
0: making tough decisions is hard and you ne- really need to take your time think about it but you also don't need to do it every time again. For example, if you just are in front of a tough decision and you're using all of your mental capacity to try to wrap your hand head around it, ask all people around you to to agree on which decision you're you're going to make. You're just not making a decision right away. Sometimes you just have to follow your instinct and, like when using a Choosing a car, you just have to choose a car and make the decision. Uh, it was quite hard, but, but but it was better because I was... Um, yeah, it was a bit more... Uh, of a, it was a weirder sentence that I said with making... It was a weirder... Um, yeah, sentence I completed. So that's why it was harder to recover from.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the more you make a mess, the more challenging it is. Yeah. Uh what's going on for you during the pause during the pause when you're taking a deep breath in and deep breath out?
0: Um Okay, so right now I think I was a bit n- not really in panic. That's too overstated, but just thinking like okay, what the- Fuck am I going to say about this because this is kind of weird so how can I still try to structure this and how can I give it a nice structure and what story can I come up with
1: okay so this next one let's try during the pause mm-hmm. try more of a meditation feeling yeah. where you just take a deep breath in, deep breath out. The most important thing is that you're grounded because you already know that your mind is going to come up with a great answer. Yeah. And we know that from doing analogies rapid fire, mm-hmm. that you you have the answer within. So let's try to just get grounded and just breathe in and breathe out.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I think that's, that's interesting because... Um, I notice quite a lot of the, uh, when I'm a, When I'm having a conversation with people, I often tend, when it's a difficult conversation, I often tend to take long pauses. And then I try to think about how I'm going to formulate something. But those pauses where I'm trying to formulate something in my head aren't really helping me in formulating and having better things to say. So it makes sense that you say that you just um, need to go into a more meditative state. And don't worry about what you're going to say. Just take your breath and take a pause for a moment and then start talking again. And then it all flows out of your brain from itself.
1: Exactly. And, and, and what I'm actually also recommending is just to try it, right? So this is like play. With play, you just try new things. So you, you tried using the pause to come up with a new thing. Mm-hmm. So try using this pause to get centered and grounded. And you may use a different pause to do something else. It's it's really finding what works for you and trying a bunch of different clothes on effectively.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right.
1: Okay. Ready? Yep.
2: Yeah.
0: My mood is like a camel because it's bumpy. Breathing is like a bowl of ice cream because it's cold sometimes. Online dating is like feeling lonely because we are all bound to it. I think it's interesting that when you start to date online, that you do it on your own. Not only do it, do you try to do it on your own, but that's that's most of the part. Most of the time, the first time you try to start online dating, but other times, you probably have some friends around you who are pushing you into the online dating. So it's not an experience that you 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 pursue on your own. Sometimes it's a bit like. Just being too much on your own and... Okay, <laughs> okay, the time's up and I I couldn't quite make something out of this. Yeah,
2: hmm.
1: And what went on during the pause?
0: Well, I for sure wasn't in a meditative state. I think I was still thinking about it. Um... I think so yeah I was okay what went on during the pause was that I was still finishing my sentence also for for the um for the stuff I just said because it I was still thinking about something else to say because it I was still trying to um yeah come up with a better suggestion than the one I was um that was popping up in my head so I think it wasn't really the best strategy to <laughs> pursue it like that. And that's why it was such a failure, let's say, I think.
1: Okay. So, uh, no, I, no failure, all just playing and <laughs> yeah, trying, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. um, but let's, let's do, so that sounds like a great strategy to just, uh, dumb it down and, and blurt out the first thing that comes to your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to try during this pause to force yourself into the meditative state you know when you think about somebody says well just say anything but red car then that's all you think about right and so during the pause anything that you think about to say to to clean it up Mm -hmm. is off limits okay does that make sense so Uh, any thoughts so online dating is like feeling lonely and then i start to say okay this might work that might work all of those go in the trash. Yeah. Okay. So that when you finish, when you go to clean it up, you can use anything except the thing, the thoughts that came to your head. Yeah. Okay. All
0: right. Energy is like expired pickles because they're sour. The ocean is like CPR because it's full of waves. When you're trying to do CPR you don't do it all at once. You try to do it in multiple ways and you try to you try a whole lot of stuff and you just need to readjust to the situation. so whatever you think you might have practiced for for CPR, if you're in a situation where you need to use CPR, it's going to be different. so you need to keep adjusting to the situation and really try stuff like the waves in the ocean you need to try stuff over and over again and then you're more likely to succeed
1: okay that was way better
0: (laughs) that felt way better (laughs) yes
1: much better much better so what was going on in the pause there for you
0: um i for a second thought about um a story or situation or i just saw someone in my head lying on the ground um um but after that, it was quiet because I thought, okay, let's not think about anything because then I can't use it in, in the story I'm going to tell.
1: <laughs> and that's that's an interesting other use for this game, mm-hmm. which is active listening. Yeah. In, in that if if I'm talking and you're truly active listening, mm-hmm. you're not thinking... Okay, what am I gonna say in response to what she's saying? Yeah. And so one way to do that and is to train yourself that whenever someone's talking, whatever you whatever thoughts you come up with while they're talking, you are not allowed to use in yeah. your response.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's very cool, and I think that's definitely an, an effect I'm experiencing of our trainings, that when I'm having just a regular conversation with friends, I'm just um, hanging out with friends then I'm at some occurrences able to just be more present because I can try to focus on listening to them and not keeping track of what I also want to say in the discussions we have or in the conversations we have because that's only distracting me and um, sometimes you think you just have a very nice or profound thought that you really need to share Um, what Yeah, I wouldn't say if it was that important, then it will come back to you. But something else will come up um, if you just let it go and um, pursue the conversation. And I think the conversation will flow in a much more natural way in um, um, in that way also. Because you're not trying to keep track of stuff that someone said a few sentences ago. But you're just responding to when you need to respond to them
1: yeah and then you're prioritizing the connection
0: yeah yeah, yeah. instead
1: yeah. of instead of effectively your own ego and what you yeah. thought was you were gonna say which is so important yeah yeah exactly and the the person feels like you're holding space for them and then that builds your connection
0: yeah exactly do you think um how did it change like th- things in your life for for example when you did a lot of um coaching like this or did a lot of practice like this did it like change your relationship with people around you because you were able to connect better.
1: Yeah, yeah, and for sure for me, like as I discussed, I, I was not a talented public speaker um, and and I think I'm also not super talented at active listening. One of my first experiences really learning active listening was with a longer kind of weekend yoga retreat. Mm-hmm. And they had us go on a walk with someone and they just paired us up and you walked and you listened to the other person and then you just repeated what they said to them. So you were really mirroring them and then you would say something and then they would say, I hear you saying this. Very, very basic. Mm -hmm. And it was super hard for me. And at the same time, I never felt more connected with another person. And I think there's a part, if you're energetic and dynamic, and I have a family with a lot of energetic, dynamic, narcissist-type people, (laughs) um, talking is a competitive sport. So I'm going to say this really amazing thing, and you're going to say this really amazing thing, and so you, you can go to a party, and you can talk to people, and You share your great story, they share their great story, you share another great story, they share a related story. You even feel like you're having a conversation together because you're sharing, relate. oh yeah, and I knew a time when this, and oh yeah, so it feels supportive, it feels together, and you go home and you think, gosh, I must be an introvert because I'm wiped out. I am wiped out. But it's not active listening and it's not connecting. And you compare that to a time where you just hang out with your friend, and they totally hold a space for you. You, they ask follow-up questions. They notice your mood, and you go home from that, and you feel completely full in your heart, like your cup is full. And to me, that's the difference between whether someone's active listening or you're basically competitive speaking. Um, so, so, so it. And and I was more of a competitive speaker. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I can then explain all of the building blocks to being a good active listener because I had to learn it the hard way. And yeah, and I saw that a lot with like with horse riding. Some of the greatest horse riders, they can hop on any horse and the horse will just perform. And so then they're training someone and the person hops on the horse and the trainer's like, well, just do it. What's your problem? <laughs> and, and the rider's kind of like, I don't know how. And he's like, the guy's like, well, yeah, just sit on the horse and he does it. I don't know what your problem is. So it's it's great to have people that are super talented, that are an Einstein of the world, a Michael Jordan of the world, because we have something really inspiring to try to reach for. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, I think that it's most helpful to... Just have someone that's gone through the similar struggles to be able to say, "Here is each element to get you to the next level."
0: Yeah, cool. Okay, well, I think that's a, that's cool that you can um, relate those experiences from your coaching and and um, athletic athletic experiences from the past with the public sp- public speaking coaching experiences as well.
1: It's all learning, right? Yeah. Do you want to try um, where you make a mess and I clean it up?
0: Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okay. A promise is like getting a new puppy because it's so cute. Drinking tea is like getting a haircut because you can't do it early enough. Business is like breaking up because it's tiring.
1: The first time I broke up, I was just a wreck. And most of the time when I've broken up, I've been the one doing the breaking up, but it still wears you down. And business can be the same. We think business is great all the time and we're out there and we're moving and shaking, but sometimes business is about saying no and you're gonna disappoint someone and it's really going to wear you out over time.
0: Nice, very nice.
1: <laughs>
0: I al- al- always like it how something like that can turn into something that sounds really profound. When at the beginning it was just, okay, try to fix this mess and just start speaking. And then it, <laughs> it begins to flow and something will come up. Cool.
1: Yeah, nice. nice. Do you want to, um, do, you want to do the opposite? Do you, want me, do you want me to make a mess and you clean it up?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Life is like a broken finger because it hurts.
0: Right now in the Netherlands it's snowing. When I'm looking outside of my window, it's snowing for the first time in, I think, more than 600 days. So that also means that it's a bit slippery outside. And you're far more likely to fall outside when you're on your bicycle for example. When you fall, you'll probably hurt something and in my case it was my finger. My finger hurted so much, so much all the day and I couldn't think about anything else. And because my whole mind was occupied with my finger hurting, it's just like in life where you only think about what your mind is occupied with and that's... Is going to be your life in that moment
1: nice nice yeah
0: was better a bit over time but i think i managed to wrap it up in a yes
1: yeah i'm glad and and that's (laughs) an important thing is you have to make choices right and and i think you made the right choice in terms of going a little over time and finishing strong which is a key key strategy yeah as much as we're playing Mm -hmm. it's still important to finish strong
0: (laughs) yeah 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 exactly to train
1: (laughs) yeah yeah awesome
0: yeah cool um i think it's just you
1: oh i was just gonna ask with the with with our work on active listening um do you want to talk a little bit about how and we can both talk about it how this ends up being similar to therapy but not therapy
0: yeah i was just about to ask you so i would love to please yeah please share your story behind it
1: yeah so so i i think i mentioned that i've been in a family of narcissists which is um, a nice way to say is a, a little bit of a tough upbringing. And so I'd, I'd been to therapists and tried a lot of different things. Some of it just felt to me like picking away at scabs and not really moving forward. And then I worked with some therapists where it was much better because it was closer to cognitive behavioral therapy, which is what actions in my life are holding me back. What things do I do? What thoughts do I do that are actually holding me back from living my best life? And that was still better. And so then when I came to Michael and Tristan over those six days in Santa Monica, I just said to them one day, I'm like, God, this is like four years of therapy. And one of the reasons is and, and they were like, Oh yeah, whatever, I Emmy, mean, you know, that's that's awesome, we're happy, you're happy, right? And they're like, That's kind of a weird thing to say. And and recently when they launched their podcast, they mentioned this and they said now so many people have said that to them that they actually take it seriously. So they didn't take it seriously when I said <laughs> it to them. <laughs> but but I believe that it's two things. One is the most important that we all feel that we deserve to take up space in the world. And whether you think you already do and you think you're fine and you, you, you think you're great, it comes up in the pause. Are you willing to sit there for four or five or 10 or 15 seconds? with an audience of 400 people and say nothing. And just have them wait. And that really triggers a lot of people thinking, well, I've got to be delivering something. I've got to be delivering value. And the truth is that we are all worthy just being ourselves, not doing anything, not delivering anything, not giving anything, just being. The second piece of it is, of course, that, yes, what we have to say is important, but what's important to the audience is how they interpret what we say. And so if we're speaking the entire time, they have no mental space to interpret what we're saying. And so our pause is a gift to the audience to allow the snow in the snow globe, so to speak, what, what the ultra-speaking guys say, to kind of settle. To allow you to make it your own. So I say what I'm saying, and then you have a chance to soak it in and make it your own and see how it's relevant to you, see how it can help you in your life. So all of these things come back to do that each and every one of us is a full and whole person, just being, not doing, not giving, just being, and that we all deserve to take up space in the world. And feeling that and being basically needing to take pauses, being told to take pauses, jumping into that moment, you are practicing this idea that you deserve to take up space in the world instead of thinking about it and talking about it. You're just taking up space and feeling how it feels. And so for me, it was like four years of therapy because I jumped forward so far in my ability to be comfortable taking up space in the world, ah, cool. I'd love to hear from from you how it's how it's affected you so far, emo- on a on a more emotional basis.
0: Well, first of all, thanks for sharing this story. I I, I heard you talking about it sometimes, but not in, in in detail like this. So I think that's very interesting to hear. About my own life, I'm kind of experiencing stuff similar like to what you're saying. I'm, so one of the things I was um, like afraid of in the last couple of years and, and maybe even in my teenage years was just being comfortable in speaking in English. And um, it was extra like Painful is too exaggerated, but but just like a little bit hurting because my close friends around me are super good at speaking in English, and they 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 always um, know how to say it. They're they're good with vocabulary, grammar, just um, regular conversation, etc. So I kind of sucked in this, and I was kind of holding myself back because I was a bit ashamed about it and stuff like this. And I noticed in the past few years that when there were um, situations where I had to talk in English because an English or international friend of someone was over. Then I was, or trying to hide from the situation, or just really uncomfortable in the situation and um, really getting into myself, getting more quiet and a bit introverted. So um, that was something that I'm that I'm that's something I'm sometimes struggling with, and. Um, Lately, I've been getting on a lot of sales calls for um, for my design agency. So that's helping a bit. But these trainings, the first training, the first public speaking training we did was, I think I went from 40% comfortable to 80% comfortable in speaking in English. It was really a tremendous difference in in um, before and after those those sessions and I think sessions are, are that are really helping me to become comfortable in just saying words and don't trying to formulate some perfectly structured sentence before I'm going to speak it I'm just before I'm going to say it I just try to start putting words out of my mouth and then the um, the ball will get rolling and I will um, say other things and it's just more fluent and more um, I'm more in state of flow and I'm more at ease and I can easily speak like that. So it's like that helping me, helping me tons. And it's, it's a huge difference from um, where I was, I think even a month ago um, before our lessons. So um, also a big thank you for that, for helping me (laughs) in that way, because that's, (laughs) that's just an amazing thing to experience in my life because it was a struggle like that. And um, I think it's cool to overcome it. And um, yeah, that's, that's the, main advantage there is in it for me right now to just being more comfortable speaking in English, but also I noticed the same in being more able to be present in having just regular conversations with my friend. That's also just amazing to experience and to experiment with.
1: That's cool. And do you um, when you're do you find you start thinking in English? Or do you still translate back and forth between Dutch and English?
0: So I'm not I'm not really sure if I find myself thinking in English, because uh, I'm not really sure if that's a difference from what it used to be. Because I already tried to do that in a way, but it wasn't really really happening. It was more formulating the sentence I was going to say than really thinking in English. So I think, but I'm 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 not quite sure about this. But I. Did notice I um I stopped to formulate those sentences and I don't do the translation thing anymore where I just think about what I'm going to say in Dutch and then try to translate it and then going to say it in English. So, yeah, that's a huge filter to take away and <laughs> that's better. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I finally felt comfortable speaking German when I, I knew when I would be over there for, to be in Germany for a while. Yeah, and. Yeah. And then I'd be walking around, and there'd be like this, this thing going in my head, <laughs> all in German. Like yeah. get a rant. I'd have a German rant going. I'd be upset about something, or I'd be excited about something. It'd all be in German. And then, and I would be living in German Germany, maybe three four months at one point. And I came back to Florida. <laughs> I'm like trying to come up with the English words for things.
2: Yeah, cool.
1: <laughs> so, but I can't remember that word in English, but here's what it is in German yeah. <laughs> that's when I knew it made the total shift yeah
0: the, so you, do you think it helps you to um learn new Englishes uh, in new, new languages
1: faster When you can think in that language
0: yeah, but uh, also this ultra speaking um structure so where you just try to Start saying things and don't really think about how you're going to say them. The the open speaking approach. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it brings you into flow in anything. Mm -hmm. We can we can request Michael and Tristan make this available in multiple languages. (laughs) I'm sure they would love that request. When you have them on the podcast, let them know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Nice.
1: Yeah. Very cool. Um, so there's another game that's really fun, which is my favorite. Which one are we going to do, Pim?
0: I think we're going to do Conductor.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Let's go. Conductor is my very favorite, and one of the things that happens in when we put more pressure on, which is what we're trying to do with these games, because then you know, whenever you're under pressure, you can speak really well. Mm-hmm one of the things that happens when we put more pressure on is our natural range of speaking narrows. So if my natural range, obviously is gonna be on the higher end because I've got a lot of energy. So my, if my natural range is say a four to a seven, then my range is gonna go five to a six and I'm gonna sound monotone whenever I'm speaking. So what conductor does is it stretches all, all your muscles to say, can you speak at a 10 and can you speak at a zero? Um, and if you're someone like me, it takes a real shift in mentality. And this was another thing that happened with, with that was important to me in terms of just this idea of therapy, although it isn't therapy. Mm-hmm. But I noticed over time when I was, when I was just living my life, that if someone would say something that had happened negative, like a human tragedy or something like that, I would try to say, oh, the, oh, that's too bad, and then back to the good stuff right away. And I would brush it off. I wouldn't go sit in that uncomfortable feeling with that person, and so it wasn't leading to the level of connection that I could have had. And, um, and, and when, I was, when I was doing conductor, they I would go down to a one and I would initially say something like oh my mother abandoned me but I would say it with a smile right I'd be like and and then one you have to kind of be quieter so I'd say my mother abandoned me and, and, and at some point Tristan says why are you smiling <laughs> And so I was still totally, I was mechanically getting to a one, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't living it. It wasn't my, it wasn't becoming my own reality. Yeah. And so the real challenge here is to get into the energy of reflecting at that level um, and have that then lead to the true emotion so that you're coming across as your authentic, truly as your authentic self. Um, So, so that's. For me, that's really how Conductor created a major shift in me yeah, in, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. in that I can, and people feel it, I can connect with them.
0: I think that's cool because on um, on a superficial level, this game looks like you're only trying to train what it's like to speak at a really loud level and at a really quiet level. But it's really more um, far more about diving into the energy level and into the energy vibe, let's say. So, yeah, cool. That's yeah, cool. And,
1: and, and again, to bring up, to find where there, are there any holes? Are there any places where you're uncomfortable? Yeah. Speaking, right, are, are you, and, and explore why. So that then you can become comfortable at all of the different levels. and then And then you can choose what to use, you can choose when to share, you know, you don't have to go into a business meeting and start crying about your childhood. (laughs) Um, but, But you can tap into those and you can use all those and all those muscles are strong and then you can use what serves you. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna jump in and do conductor.
0: Okay, so the first time we did this exercise, I think in our first session, I, was, I, I forgot to mention to my roommate, I was going to do this training <laughs> and I came inside the, into the living room after the training and he was just looking at me like, what happened in that room? What were you doing? What happened on the internet? <laughs> because I was just <laughs> Why screaming. Why you yelling at your
1: computer? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now everyone is prepared. If they are at home, they know I'm going to scream. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> so let's dive into it. okay, let's go. <clears throat> what we can learn from sound. I think I underestimated the importance of sound until i saw, until I saw a certain video on YouTube. The video was all about trying to be there and trying to use your voice in all kinds of vocabulary ways and all kinds of ranges so that you really think about the, the highs and the lows of using your voice and not only about being quiet so you really try to get everywhere and use all the different types inside of your foot.
1: good breathe nice tell me a secret
0: so it was different when i started an example right before this podcast
1: switch
0: i just was practicing all the levels of my voice so i went from high ranges to low ranges and everything in between and that's why my voice was so warmed up for this session and that's why that's why i try to always do that before i'm going to report a podcast session i recommend all of you I recommend all of you to, re- to reach all the ranges inside of your voice. So you can just try to come at the lowest whisper voice and the highest screaming. So you can reach it you all know, when your voice is ready for uh, the whole dynamic of what you're going to say. Nice. <laughs> okay, that was a fun one. And I, I, yes. I, I was indeed right before this. I I don't really remember, but I once saw a YouTube video of someone explaining how he warms up his, vo- his voice before he goes on stage. So I tried to do this before the podcast and I was like... Oh, um, I think it's funny because... My heart was also beating quite fast before the podcast because i was a bit excited and i could hear the heartbeats in my voice when i was just humming so when i was doing it for a while it it eased and that was nice to experience and relaxing
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's cool that's cool and what do you think when you're doing the the zero to ten how can that relate to you doing a sales call are you gonna start um yelling at prospects
0: <laughs> i don't think so but i i i do have the like i don't know if permission is the right word but i but i do feel like i have the permission or the capability of reaching a super high energetic enthusiastic state in that call and i think that's that's really valuable because um, it's a bit boring when I'm just trying really at a really low voice to say, explain some stuff and explain some things about my pricing. But if I just explain to them how exciting it can be to work together and what the outcomes might be, that's weird if I start off like this because then they're just like, okay, w- what, uh, what's this guy doing? But if I use all the ranges from the 1 and then build up to the higher levels and build even up to the 10, then I think that can be really exciting for people to listen to.
1: Cool, cool. And so it's, it's like you have tools in your toolkit and, and you're developing muscles like at the gym so that you, you have all of those, you have all those muscles worked so that you're able to pull out that tool and use it.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Kind of a mixed, mixed metaphor, I guess. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Do you feel like you use these? Um, well, of course, because you're speaking during all those workshops you give. But do you feel like um, w- what's helping you the most from these exercises?
1: I think what I was mentioning before, in terms of not having not having a cohesive match between my energy and the subject. So if I'm talking about something serious or emotional, mm-hmm. not to talk about it in an upbeat way, yeah. but yeah. To, to really have everything match. And, and at the end of the day, then that means that we're meeting each other in a very authentic way. And I came across as inauthentic because I was uncomfortable Going to those going to those levels and sharing sharing myself at those levels, and so now as I've become comfortable with that, then I can reach a connection wherever somebody else is at. I can meet them where they're at. So if they're in a low, I can meet them at the low. If they're in a high, I can meet them in a high, and um, and really bring my whole self to the conversation. And for me, that's useful in business. I mean people want to do business with people they like. So it's of course relevant in business. It may not be relevant in business for me to share what happened in my childhood, but it but it might, right? Someone in business may have also had a, an experience and then you can have a deeper deeper connection because it's all about people.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, cool. Awesome. <laughs> okay, yeah, I I think that's just a cool recurring theme that that's by being more present and by knowing how to be more present, you can connect more with the with the people you're talking to, and that's just super valuable to to know something about.
1: And especially in these, I mean, isolation is 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 a real true health risk.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One of my purposes of doing this, of just I I love coaching in general. I love coaching public speaking. And at the same time, the wellness company that I'm building is truly about self-care. And one of the main ways that we can improve our own health is by connecting with other people. And one of the biggest risks that it creates more high blood pressure, heart disease, inflammation is feeling isolated so the more that you can connect with other people it's just it's good for your health it's good for your psyche it's good for everyone
0: yeah i i i totally recognize it i i once re- read a t- tweet from, from someone who was coming up with a list like you can train for a marathon you can you know, wake up early each day and you can you can try to um have a really good nutrition um, profile and and have a healthy weight, etc. All those kind of things. But if your relationships suck, then your life will probably suck. So if you invest in that, and I think by, by being able to connect better, so by being able to speak to them better and being more present, being able to connect better, that's that's just having advantages for, for your whole life.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's It's being able to have have your voice and feel comfortable in your voice, and then be able to listen, and be able to know what's going on internally, and and match that so that you are authentic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, well, cool.
0: Yeah. Oh, so cool. sorry. Yeah, what was, sorry. What did you want to say?
1: Oh no, I just didn't know if you wanted to if you wanted to play more games or what direction you wanted to go in.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think uh, we can uh, try to come up with the homework exercise you you might have planned out for this session. Because um, in line with what I said in the introduction of the podcast, um, I want to make this as actionable as possible. So only talking about public speaking isn't going to make you a better public speaker. And um, I'm going to do these homework exercises myself and I encourage people listening to this to if they're taking their um, if they're serious about becoming a better public speaker, then to just practice with me and just um, tweet me over some some videos of of them practicing, for example, so we can practice together. But um, yeah, I would really like to hear about the homework exercise you had planned.
1: Great, great. And to preface it, one of the most important parts of speaking is listening. So there are two sides there are two sides to the coin. So the so I have three exercises for you to practice. All right. One is very similar to the rap, the analogies with breath where one person speaks and then both take a breath and the other person completes it. Mm-hmm. So when when you are in conversations with people as you're in conversation with them any thought that comes to your mind of how you're gonna respond while they're speaking, you then throw that in the trash. So you're not allowed to say that.
2: Okay. <laughs> and you can
1: practice that as lo- all week long. Anytime anyone is speaking and you're in a conversation, any thoughts that come to mind of how you're gonna respond, throw them out. Those are not now allowed to be part of your response.
2: All right. And then the
1: moment that they're done, Take a pause and then you and then you speak and you can speak on anything except all the thoughts that came to your mind.
0: Okay, cool. I'm that, looking will, forward that, to that will line.
1: practice your Google autocomplete and that will really improve your active listening. Pretty soon you less and less thoughts will come to your mind and it builds trust that the right thoughts are gonna be there for you when you need them. That that new ones, even better ones, will come up.
2: Nice. so that's number one
1: and number two is when you're speaking and this is tougher when you're in conversations because as soon as one person pauses a lot of time the other people will fill in the gap and start talking Mm -hmm. and at the same time it's so important to practice pausing so the second piece of the homework is to practice pausing even if people then take that space and start talking because that's about them, not about you. And if you practice the pause, one thing that might come up for me when I first started doing it, I said, well, but it doesn't work in conversation because the other person just starts talking. But that leads to the other question that we were bringing up quite a bit, which is what if I didn't say that? So when you pause and someone else just jumps in and starts talking, then it's a great time to think, how did that work? Did what I say still work without, without finishing my sentence, without finishing my thought? Mm, yeah. And yeah. so it's a great time to reflect on that and still stay consistent with your practice of using pauses.
0: Okay, I think that's cool because then you're yeah, you're trying to step out of like um those um ego protecting sh- sh- storytelling telling, uh, uh, story telling sharings and really diving into the conversation more because most of the time people probably already know what you were going to say or where where what direction it was headed. So Maybe indeed it wasn't necessary to finish the sentence and it's okay. But you, I often um, find myself still wanting to finish the sentence and talking through the, uh, through the other. But that's really only for, for myself and not for the other person. So yeah, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, and you can use that as a moment to... If they then start to share, then ask follow-up questions. Get curious and get yourself out of the level one where you're just thinking about what you're going to say yeah. and instead get curious about the other person. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's something we didn't talk about, but um, because I just mentioned it, I'll say that level one listening is just thinking about what they're saying, how it res- relates to you and how you have a story that could relate to that. And then level two listening is getting curious about the other person, learning more about them, asking open-ended questions, and level three is paying attention to the energy in the container of the relationship. So as soon as you and I are talking, there's a container around us. Is that energy moving forward? Is that energy upbeat? Is that energy solemn? Whatever it is, it's still fine. It's just paying attention to that energy and maybe nurturing that energy in a certain direction or seeing if the person is pulling you in a different direction. and And so that's not part of the homework but that was just mentioning that if you're using the pause and then you use that pause and as soon as the other person is talking and they finish talking you then ask a follow-up question instead of jumping into your thing that's using the pause plus diving into level two listening
0: okay yeah do you um when you talk about Noticing the energy in the room and the energy of the conversation. hmm Is it like you're trying to um, notice the other person's energy in combination with your own energy in the conversation or what you're trying to build yeah. up to? And um, like, would you recommend to try to get your energy to the same level as the other person or to just... Yeah, what, what what's the practical implication of noticing the energy? What what where what, what are you going to do with the energy of the conversation if you know about it?
1: Yeah, and 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 that's a great question. A lot of times we, a lot of us spend ninety percent of the time in level one, right? Which is just how am I going to respond? What do I have to say that's relevant to that? Ooh, there's a great story I have for the other person, and then it's this kind of competitive talking, and. Level two is not only getting curious about the other person, but feeling what they're, what are they drawing from you? What are they needing from you? And, and often it's just to be seen, just to take up, part of taking up space is, is feeling that other people want you to take up space. Although it should come from the inside, it, it's very helpful to have other people interested in you, asking questions of you, and so when I'm trying to get in this space, I can even ask myself, what is that person drawing from me? What do they need from me? And things like my attention, I can't give that for 24 hours a day, so that is a limited resource. But other resources like my love is unlimited. When I give you my love, that doesn't mean that someone else doesn't get it. I can give my love to all of my friends, to tons and tons of people, and it's still there's so much more left inside me. It's it's an unlimited resource. So a lot of times being seen, um, someone's pulling that they just want to feel loved, they want to feel cared for, they want to feel seen is, is all unlimited resources and that's the thing that most people are pulling from you and and within so that's still that's like level two moving to level three but that's still level two because you're feeling what the other person is drawing from you and so it's not a transaction but it's basically on this plane between you and me right there's a connection and there's energy moving back and forth of what are you drawing from me? What am I drawing from you? And, um, and that's both listening to each other and then what the energy is being drawn. And then the, con- the container, the energy in the container, is if we imagine that even though we're on the internet, we're in a room together. And that's, again, the same thing with public speaking and play. And why we use play in public speaking is because we're all in our head too much. We're, we're not embodying. And so going to all five senses in level three of listening is what is the texture like in the room? What is the temperature? What is the color? So if you and I are here in a room together, I would say there's some warm oranges towards red. There's been some green blue-green optimism of the ocean. Mm-hmm. There's a flow of water. So there's there's this texture. And so that's really like the container. And if all of a sudden the container starts to get gray or feel a little black or heavy like mud, is that somewhere we want to go? Do we want to stay there for a little while and explore it? Or do we want to work together to get out of that? To... And it doesn't always have to be sunshine and roses and rainbows and unicorns right that there's the only way that you truly experience that is if you experience the the darkness and the black as well yeah so it's it's just feeling when you walk in you you, when you walk into a room at a new home you you look around and and you can feel the the person's warmth or maybe not their warmth and you can feel whether they collect a lot of stuff or they don't and then, you, um, and then you just kind of live in that together and celebrate it together. It's part of who I am and who you are that we make this room together and then we decide together how we want to change it.
0: What do you think that happens when you fail to notice like the, the room or the vibe of the conversation? Do you more easily get stuck or, or is there or a lot of friction?
1: Yeah, there can be a friction, and a lot of times it'll come across, and this can be level two or level three, but level three, if you don't recognize the temperature of the room, it's like um, you come into a funeral, and you're like, hey, great to see you guys, this is amazing, and people are like, you know, yeah. <laughs> our mother just died. What your t- And so that is often... That can be because you don't recognize the temperature of the room and it can also be because you're not comfortable jumping into that energy level. So that goes back to conductor and what I was saying about if I used to go into the lower levels, I would do it with a smile and it wasn't cohesive. My energy, emotion, and the things I was saying and the way I was saying it were not all aligned and so I came across as inauthentic. So for instance, if I were to come into a funeral and be like, hey guys, this is amazing, then I would disrupt the energy. Not only would I not fit in and I wouldn't be able to connect, but I would disrupt the room. I would disrupt the energy of the room. So it's both about me being able to connect with people and being able to, all of us have, have the whole range to access um, to be able to kind of come into that room. If you go down to level two, you and I connecting, if I'm coaching you, not even on speaking, but if I'm just coaching you on coaching, and you come in like, oh my God, I've had this week, you just wouldn't believe, and da, 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 and I'm like, hey, you know, but this is about fulfillment, and this is about your dreams, and let's just jump into it. We're never going to connect because you're coming in at a three and I'm at a seven so how do we then start a communication when you can't trust that I've met you where you're at and so as any any coach you want to you meet the person where they're at and you go to that space with them and then and then you go on the journey with them where that takes you You don't try to force them up into you or just stay at your level and they stay at theirs. And then you're never communicating. Um, and it, you know, it goes back to that 80% of communication is nonverbal. So why are we so worried about how we talk when it's more about aligning your energy and aligning your ability to go into different emotional states, while you talk instead of just did i say but or and too many times
0: okay yeah thanks that was a very detailed answer and and i think that's that's something i can i can use in my own life because um sometimes you just start when you when you're when you're like meeting a friend you just start at different energy levels and um for example if you are you were the one that's that came uh, came in really energized or hyped or 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 the other way around then that's frustrating at that point for both parties because i find it frustrating when i'm in low energy that the other person is trying to force me into it and is trying to force his enthusiasm on me and i'm just like well, whatever leave me leave me here leave me alone <laughs> and the other person is like Dude, come on! I'm I'm hyped. This is a way better state to be in than you than what you're be in like now. So just join me. But that's not really working. But if you first try to really see the energy state of the other and try to respect that and try to level, you can then try to move towards the preferred energy state together.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I would suggest that it's not that you are that each person, you yourself included, is whole and resilient and creative and perfect, just as you are. So I would suggest not to try to match their energy and then move them to where you want them.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that you that you that you dance together.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: yeah. and because you're developing all these skills and these muscles in conductor to be able to jump to whatever energy state serves you hmm. and serves that that moment you can jump into that energy state in a very playful way and say well why don't i just try this out hmm. he's there and if i go up there then i can connect with him better or her better yeah and i'll just try it out for a while And just live in the moment and don't worry about where you want the person to end up. And you may end up having a more fun time there, or they may end up saying, "Wow, Pim, this is way too hard work," (laughs) (laughs) right? And like move kind of move down from there. So um, it's but it's the greatest gift to be able to connect with with someone. Yeah, yeah. And I did have a third piece of homework. So so we have the (laughs) tell me about it. (laughs) So we have the we have the active listening about. removing any any thoughts you have while someone else is speaking mm-hmm. you're removing it and then we have the pause where you you pause and if someone even interrupts you you don't worry about it and um, just keep practicing putting pauses in and not thinking during your pauses just grounding during your pauses yeah. and then the final thing is to end strong Just like a gymnast always sticks their landing and throws their arms up. Anytime you're speaking, speak shorter and end strong.
0: Okay, I think that's also something I can benefit from because I notice myself that when I'm explaining something, I quite often end with, yeah, so that's about it or yeah, something like that. And that's <laughs> that's ending week.
1: <laughs> and do you know do you, do you know why that is?
0: Um, I think because I'm I'm like not sure if what I said was was correct or, or complete or something like that. So uh, I, and
1: there's yeah and there's science behind it in that when we're if. If we're in a good public speaking mode, we're in a flow. It's natural, our Google Autocomplete's going, and as soon as we stop speaking, we shift back over to our analytical mind, our cerebral cortex, and it starts to analyze. How did that go? Did that sound right? Did that not sound right? And it actually reminds me of, I was sharing this last night in some coaching I was doing, It reminds me when I had a a horse riding student who was jumping fences, and she would do a course of, say, five or six fences. And after the final fence, and it didn't matter if she was doing eight fences or six fences, every time after the final fence, the horse would just take off and start bucking and nearly throw her. And so if she was in a competition, of course, she could have a perfect run and then, but then the, we'd be ruined because the horse would buck at the end. And she said, well, how in the world is this happening when the like sometimes it's eight fences, sometimes it's six. So how does the horse know that it's over? Because she left her flow and started thinking, okay, now the thing is over and the horse could sense the shift out of flow and felt insecure and was kind of jumping up and down. And so what I recommended to her is, look to the next fence. So if the course only has eight fences, in your mind, look to the next fence, plan for the next fence, go around that corner to your ninth fence, even though you don't have one. And then right before you hit that ninth fence, then drop him to a trot and do your little circle and you're done. And that way right after your eighth fence, he doesn't start bucking. What this means for public speaking is you can again use homework number two, the pause. So you can finish your talk and your next jump is the pause instead of analyzing and in the pause, you focus on not thinking about it. That way you don't kind of finish and then get bucked off. Mm.
0: Okay, well, Amy, thank you so much for this session. It was—I—I I really hoped at the beginning of this session that it was going to be as exciting and and interesting as our normal um, coaching sessions always are, are. Because I told you before the podcast, I—I I always think in those coaching sessions that we just should record them and publish them as a podcast because they're just um, just enormously interesting to um um have those exercises and then our, refl- our reflection on those exercises uh, so i'm really glad how this turned out and um i um i yeah really appreciate you being here as my first guest and thank you so much for um for all these amazing stories and explanations. Uh, thank you
1: so much thanks so much for having me and i'm so honored to be your very first <laughs>
0: Thank you. And I'm going into the snow, I think. Um, think, um, Have a nice day yourself as well. well.
1: Yes, have a great day. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.